Hello there. Welcome back to episode number 32 of Star Wars in a Galaxy, where we watch all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Important note today, we are recording out of sequence. We're recording this on November 29th. So we're recording this before we're recording next week with Nessa because of scheduling conflict. However, this week is going to come out after next week as as uh, as, as it is chronologically. So we won't be as caught up with The Mandalorian. However, but it still, I still should think, work out. But yeah, still it should work out. Uh, we, anyway. have a, we have a buffer anyway for spoilers. Yeah. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. Okay, um, before we get into this episode, we have something fun we're going to do. Um, we are now uh, officially taking questions on Twitter. Uh, you can email us to uh, Twitter. We are at in a galaxy pod. Um, uh, and email, we are SWInAGalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, and you can email us and or tweet us your questions that you want us to answer. And so a fellow podcaster... Um, the people at Geeky Waffle, uh, thank you so much for sending in a question to us. We really enjoy your podcast and um, are excited to answer this question. Uh, they know we're doing the Clone Wars right now, and so they asked about our favorite arc from the Clone Wars, excluding the final season. Favorite arc from the Clone Wars, excluding the final season. Mm, that's tough. Would, um, you, would you like to go first, Eli? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I'm if I had to answer anything, I'm going to go with the Mon Calamari arc from the beginning of season four. Um, I the remember watching that arc and being like, just I love that arc. It's such a cool arc and has some really cool character development in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's definitely a, a good arc. I like it. Um, it used to be one of my favorites. Now, uh, I not not so much, but it is really fun. I love the underwater. I love that the fact that the entire thing takes place underwater. I think it's kind of a a, a bold creative choice i think it could have gone really sideways but i think they they handled it really well and it ended up being pretty creative and interesting to watch so i like it my pick would probably be the umbara arc i think it is uh it is very sad in parts obviously um and, and it's not the easiest to watch out of of the clone wars but i really i really like it i think it's a overall a satisfying it's a really satisfying arc um it feels like they really get the bad guy, which a lot of times they don't. And a lot of times often there is no good or bad guy, especially in the later seasons of the Clone Wars, as we see that everything is really just, or I guess we know, but we, we kind of see that put into practice more and more that everything is really just being orchestrated by Palpatine. So I like it. I love the visuals of that arc. I think the planet of Umbara is very cool. I, I like the, um, yeah, I just like the aesthetic choices that they made. So that arc is that arc is my favorite. I think those are both season four arcs, so we're gonna get to those at the same time. So season four is gonna be a pretty good time for in a galaxy. I um, think it will. Yeah. Um. But speaking of Filoni, let's talk about other Filoni. Um. So this section of the uh, in a galaxy will have spoilers. It's been a couple weeks. Uh. By the time this episode comes out, but it's gonna have spoilers for um. Shoot, I just realized it's gonna be out of sequence, but who cares? Uh, it's going to have our thoughts on uh, Chapter 13, The Jedi. So if you haven't seen it, uh, skip this section. We'll put the timestamps down in the description like we usually do. Also, before we get into it, I just realized um, we'll put Geeky Waffles, uh, the Geeky Waffle podcast down in the description so you can go check them out. Uh, they're really cool people, and uh, we'd love to do some stuff with you guys in the future. And who knows, maybe it's going to happen one way or another. 
Uh, anyway, so, uh, let's talk about Chapter 13, The Jedi. Jacob has seen it this week. Um, both yeah, of I've seen, seen it this week. Um, let's get into it. I am, wow. I was, I was, uh, I, I was pretty excited going into it, but man, I was, overall, you know, I had, I had, I have some thoughts about it. There, I think there's some good parts and there's some bad parts, but overall, I was, I was absolutely thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. What about you? You know, um, I'm probably the more positive one with new Star Wars as the two of us, so it shouldn't be surprising to anyone that I absolutely love this. I 100%. I think this is the second best piece of Star Wars content we've gotten this year. Other What's than the first? Vict- other than Victory and Death, the final episode of The Clone Wars, I think this is the best content that we've gotten this year. Star Wars. And both of them, by the way, are Ahsoka-heavy and have Ahsoka in that gray robe, so... Grey Robe Ahsoka is good, is what we're saying. Yes, Grey Robe um, Ahsoka is before very we get good. In, before we get into this, we do want to. I do want to acknowledge one thing, which is that Rosario Dawson still does have accusations of transphobia against her, and it can be really hard. Um, we're going to be talking a lot of great things, I think, about Ahsoka, but um, we do want to mention that In a Galaxy does support um, a safe space for anyone regardless of their race gender or sexual orientation uh we just want to acknowledge that before we get into this episode because the accusations may be true they might not we don't know currently but uh i just want to get that out of the way before we get into this episode so yeah all right so i don't know how do you want to how do you want to tackle this i don't want this to take too much of the episode yeah, i don't think i yeah um maybe, maybe just, let's just go quick fire what yeah. are what are some of your overall thoughts yeah. i loved i love this episode i loved um First of all, I thought they nailed Ahsoka. I thought there were, like, the line uh, about beginnings that she had was such an Ahsoka line. I loved that. I loved the way Filoni put that in. I thought, what are the other things I love about this episode? This episode relied, reminded me a lot about, of uh, actually, The Last Jedi in a lot of ways. It had a lot of, it wasn't a, what I appreciated most about this episode was it wasn't a, it wasn't like the heiress, where the heiress was like, a lot of fast-paced action. You were really excited that Bo-Katan was there. The Jedi was a slower episode. It was a. It was a. It was an episode that took the time. Uh, it was an episode about. Um, it was a very visual episode. It looked really good. There were some really good shots in there. Um, most of them involving Ahsoka and the wilderness on Corvus and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it was it looked really good and it took the time to look and sound really good and i really appreciated that um, oh absolutely yeah and that's one of the things i, I like i liked about this episode um and yeah ahsoka was just great um one of the things i also am gonna bring up uh about this episode is that the heiress i can, i'm comparing the two because they're actually decently similar episodes the heiress and the Jedi are similar in this way that the heiress was never really about Bo-Katan. It was about Din. In the same way that the Jedi was really never about Ahsoka, it was about Grogu, which is the name we find out that Baby Yoda has. Um, it was it so was, jarring to hear hear him. It to was hear a little Grogu weird. For the first I time. I kind of like it, though. I'm not going to lie. I think it, I think it, I think it's cool. Um, I think, I think it's a good name. Um, it's but the Jedi isn't about Ahsoka; it's about him. Because in my thing is in meeting Bo-Katan and meeting Ahsoka, we find out more about 
they're they're not the characters that we need to learn more about because we know everything we need to know about Bo-Katan and Ahsoka. We don't yeah. need know everything we need to know about Din and Grogu. And we learned that through them, which is what I appreciate about this episode. It makes them feel much less like cameos and more like reflection. They're more like mirrors. Hmm. How, how so? They're like, they, they're not, it's not about them. It's about them showing Din and Grogu who they are. Mm, I see what way. you mean. That's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about like that before. Yeah. You know, um, one also, I want to address some low-hanging fruit from the episode. Um, biggest one is Grand Admiral Thrawn. I was I was absolutely thrilled when I heard that. What does that mean, does that, mean that we're going to get some Ezra action? Possibly that might rope Sabine Hera into this story somehow. I may, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a little a little overly ambitious, yeah. a little overly hopeful. I mean. Because I, 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 I would say you're getting overly ambitious, except for the fact that they brought Cobb freaking Vanth in this show. Anytime we say they can't possibly do something in this show, they do it anyway. That's what that's I love a, about season two so far, is that anytime you're like, they can't possibly dive that deep, they dive in that deep. Yeah, I kind of like the way they're integrating other characters. I'm, I, I was worried that it would mean that there isn't breathing room for the main cast and, and for for uh, the Mandalorian in particular, but uh, so far, I so far I've I've been pretty uh, I've been pretty impressed with um with how they've handled these characters. Whether or not I like them, that's a different story. But uh, I th I think they've given them a good treatment. Uh, there's something else I was thinking about. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, Tython. 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 Oh heck? my gosh. That. Oh my gosh. Tython. Because in Legends, that's the planet where the Jedi originate from. When back yeah. in the forces. Known That's as the a Ashla deep cut. and the Bogan. Yeah, I, they, I hadn't heard that three in force, like The Jedi homeworlds were three planets, and Tython was the least notable of the three of them. Really? I thought it was the very first, or at least according no, to... The least faint, like the least, the one the least people know. Are the other two Ilum, Osis and Ilum? It's Ilum, Osis, and Tython. Hardcore canon nerds know Ilum. Hard, hardcore, decently hardcore legends nerds know osis and very hardcore legends nerds know um tython i would be absolutely thrilled if they worked tython into this somehow and if they i think they're headed there and if they brought it back as the birth like if they said this is the birthplace of the jedi i would you be know it's canon thrilled. right really it I is thought canon. it was legends wow it's both actually now they brought it's it both. Canon. here's okay. here's something i i was doing my research on tython um there are only two references of it in canon other than The Mandalorian right now. Really? Dr. Aphra 40, which is a comic that came out around a year ago. And there, and Darth Vader and Dr. Aphra are there in 3 ABY, directly before the events of The Empire Strikes Back, for like a little while, not that long. So it's um, barely, it's canon, but maybe not its No, wait, and then there's another canon. place too. This is my favorite part about it. The High Republic comic which we've seen previews of, but hasn't actually technically come out yet. It's going to come out after all the Mando episodes are done in, like, early January. So what we're saying is we have two references in canon of the High Republic, one of Kite Tython. One is, like, six years before this, and the other is, like, hundreds of years before this. So we're going, what I'm trying to say is we're going into very uncharted territory here. 
Um, yes. As for my thoughts on this episode, I was a little bit overall, I was pleased with how they handled Ahsoka. I thought that her voice could have been done better. It kind of bothered me. It, it kind of bothered me that, how do, how do I phrase this? It bothered me that it's, it seemed as though there hadn't been much attention or effort made from, fr- from anyone really to kind of emulate or, or build consistency with how Ahsoka's voice sounded in the Rebels, in the Clone Wars. Now, obviously, her voice isn't going to sound exactly the same. She's older. It's a different actor. But I think that there could have been at least some more effort to try and bring in bring bring in more of her um her her timber and the texture and the cadence of her voice and the way she speaks from the Clone Wars and Rebels. I would have liked to see that. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good um it was a pretty good portrayal of Ahsoka. I, it definitely felt as though she was older, maybe a little maybe a little bit less optimistic. She definitely seemed she definitely okay. seemed yeah yeah she definitely seemed more jaded less um less um friendly than she had earlier but you know maybe it's just because he was in mandalorian armor and she's had bad experiences with the mandalorians also another thing i noticed um the clasps on the cloak of eli you're gonna have to help me out here i can't remember her name the person with the uh the spear oh i the mat we call her the magistrate i don't actually know her the, name. yeah the magistrate the clasps on the cloak of the magistrate look very, very similar to the clasps on the cloak of Count Dooku. So I was wondering if is that a ref is that just a reference? Is it just a coincidence? Or could it be something more? Is she somehow connected to Sereno? I think that would be pretty interesting. Well, she does seem very noble, like not like noble as an adjective like bold and good, but like noble, like of noble rank. Yeah, I mean, they did say that she came from a village which was destroyed, but b- beyond that, there isn't really much. She doesn't really have much backstory. So I think that leaves the door wide open for any number of possibilities as to how she has that uh how she has that cloak. Maybe maybe she's not maybe she's not connected to Sarno. Maybe she just took it from someone that she that that she bested maybe in, in combat or just through ruthless business practices. Who knows? Yeah. One final thought I wanted to pop before we get into the actual episode is that um, I would really appreciate it. I don't think they're going to do it, but I really would love it. We've had five action-packed great adventures all in the season. And we've had some pretty big revelations too. I'd like for them to give Mando and Grogu an episode to breathe. And by them, also the audience. Like, you know... Din has now learned Baby Yoda's name and that he was raised in a cult. Give him some time, for God's sake. <laughs> like, let him get used to calling the guy he just called Kid for a season and a half. Let, get him, get, let him get used to him calling him Grogu. I don't know, that's just me. Yeah, that would be, that, that would be interesting. I do think that this season has been much more, um, much more fast-paced than the first season. And the first few episodes, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't crazy about them. I thought they were, I thought they were just kind of mid-tier, but the, the chapter 12 and chapter 13, chapter 13, the, the Jedi especially, I just think 
have been absolutely phenomenal. The Jedi has held up my philosophy about the Mando so far, which is I love the odd-numbered ones, and I hate I, I don't hate the even-numbered ones, but I like the even-numbered ones less. 9, 11, and 13 for me have been perfect, and 10 and 12 have been, yeah, okay. Um, All right, so... But let's moving. get into this whole thing. We watched... Uh, what did we watch, Jacob, actually? Go we ahead. watched Bombad Jedi, Cloak of Darkness, and Lair of Grievous in that order. So we jump in with Bombad Jedi, where we see Padme Amidala journeying alone, despite the the the, the protests of Chancellor Palpatine. We see her Let's journeying to the... oh, alone to Rhodia. Let's and... get to the fortune cookie. Cause... All right, I just wanted to yeah, I just yeah. wanted to give some context. Okay. But yeah, we can go yeah, to the yeah. fortune cookie. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Heroes are made by the time. What did yeah. you make of this? Okay. I mean, it's not the best of the best. It's not terrible, I don't feel like. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty good summary of the episode. It's kind of like the heroes aren't like, there's no uh, cookie cutter hero. Heroes are, you, you, someone is not, there's no hero and not a hero. You're made a hero by when, what, by the circumstances, by what happens to you. Um, interesting i interpreted it as kind of not necessarily you're a hero because of something that happens to you but because of how you choose to make use of your circumstances that too kind of clunky um i think i think a better i think a better way of saying it was when padme says the most important ally is not always the most powerful i wrote that down too yeah yeah, and I think that seems to be a better roundup of what the episode's trying to say because Jar Jar saves the day despite Jar Jar being Jar Jar Binks. And also Onakon Far too. Yeah, Onakon Far too. That's a good point. He he kind of he make he makes a choice. And I think I think it's an interesting message. I like it. You can only control your reaction to the situation. Like maybe yeah. you did destroy maybe you did destroy your friend's custom made million dollar royal chrome spaceship. Whoops. But uh, maybe you can turn it around. And you know, I think um, I think it's I think this is a really interesting episode. A few more things, kind of overall before we jump in. It's an interesting look at it. Kind of deepens our understanding of planets during the Clone Wars that feel that they are unimportant to the Republic and how they fall into the Separatist fold. We see how Anaconda Far and um, Padme Amidala go way back, but Far betrays her to do what he thinks will be the best and what will benefit his people, but um, Padme ends up rising above this kind of cycle of antagonization by not arresting Far, even though she totally could have for for trying to have her killed, basically, or, or consenting to that and being being part and parcel to it. And she, and she brings, she kind of brings Rodia back, and I think that's cool. I think it's cool, too. One of the things, one of the minor problems I have with this, and this is only like a little bit of thing, I don't really mind this that much, is... Filoni does this a lot. Like, he does this exact same arc, like, 12 times in the Cologne Wars. Like, well, they're all good episodes, but he does it all the time. You know what I mean? I think it's an important... I, th I think it's an important point, and I think that's why we... I think it is, too. ...see just, it as a recurring theme. We see the planets that are left... that are kind of left behind and are kind of not not the most... the planets that are kind of, well, for lack of a better word, backwater planets. Like, yeah. how do these planets feel about this? Why are they the ones turning. So I think it's and, interesting. And then we got episodes actually also like, like, um, not, uh, I think it's Pursuit of Peace in season three, where we see, or Heroes on Both Sides, I forget which one it is. It's one of the Senate episodes, you know the episode I'm talking about, 
where Pad, where like Padme talks to her handmaiden. Remember Tekla, Tekla Minow? Yeah, I know it well. And we realize that even on like Coruscant, there are people who are like not living well because of the war. Um, yeah, maybe not just because of the war, but also because of the maybe just because of the Republic in oh, general yeah. and the way that the economy is uh, not working for everyone. You know, but also because of the war, because the wars were draining the Republic's resources that it could yeah, that's true. Other places. Um, yeah, let's get into this episode though. Um, yeah, Padme is just going into enemy territory, um, because, because peace, which is, by the way, I think it's Anakin rubbing off on her, because that is such an Anakin move, let me tell you. What is? Just I'm sorry, I'm wandering into enemy territory and hoping you're gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, That is, totally. like, peak Anakin right there. But, you know, I think that that is, that is indicative in some ways of why... And, and let me give me a minute to explain myself, but that is indicative of just why Palpatine is so afraid of Padme. He's not afraid of her because she commands military power, because she could defeat him in a one-on-one -on -one battle or anything. But I think, I think, I think we see how Padme's faith in diplomacy um, is is def it can has the potential to really defuse the war and and. We, I think we see that time and again. This is an example of how by choosing to have mercy, she ends up bringing a planet back, bringing back a, bringing back a divided world, in, world into the Republic. And beyond just whether the world is Republic or Separatist, I think her approach kind of is just less divisive. And Palpatine needs the divided galaxy, of course, in order to, in order to carry out his plan, in order to have the, the, the war which he's controlling. So I think, I think that is the real reason why he thinks that, why he keeps trying to to kill Padme. Also, because Padme is that same thing with Anakin. She inspires the good in him. Um, in Palpatine not, or in no Padme, Padme in Anakin. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, on on the other hand, though, in the, on the other hand, he might not have gone to the dark side without Padme, but I guess we'll never know. Yeah, true, but. Yeah, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah. So, um, Onacon Defar was Bail Organa's, quote, strongest ally in the Republic Senate, which I love the setup here, and I love that relationship there because it makes the betrayal even more shocking. It makes, you know, it makes... I And I also, by extension, I love that Newt Gunray's there. I love that that's the guy. They could have done Wat Tambor. They could have done Shumai. They could have done anyone. But they did Gunray because this episode is a Padme episode. This is an episode, and we needed a personal enemy of Padme, which is, yeah. of course, New Gunray. Um, yeah. Actually, this episode to me did actually feel pretty Phantom menace -y. Um How so? The politics of it? The politics and the Trade Federation blocking in the world and... 3PO silliness and Jar Jar silliness. This is basically just ripped from Phantom Menace. Yeah, I guess that's... Also, did you know, I just found this out, this is like one of only, this is one of the only uh, Clone Wars episodes to feature Ahmed Best as Jar Jar. Really? Who is the other, uh, who is the other actor then? It's, it's a pseudonym. It's a, it, the, there's a guy who's said to have done it, but there's another guy who's, who I think was using another name as a pseudonym. His name is Phil Lamar. He's Bail Organa and Kit Fisto in this. And I think he takes over Jar Jar later on. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That that's uh, pretty. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. No, no problem. Let's see. Let's keep going. All uh, right. So where we find ourselves, it's been captured. Um, and for once, I think. I mean, I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, we we see um. And then uh, we we see um Jar Jar Binks get thrown off a cliff and. I, I think uh, I thought Jar Jar Binks was a little bit over the top in some parts, but I, I must say that C-3PO having an impromptu eulogy of sorts for Jar Jar Binks when he falls over the side before he climbs back up, that, that is pretty funny. And yeah. I think that, um, well, sorry, my notes are out of order for some reason. This is bad. All right, I was we'll about to say, okay, this. I, I was like, there, I'm like, that's halfway into the episode. Can I? Yeah. I have some stuff. Let's All right, see. yeah, sure, go for it. Uh, oh, uh, Onacone Defar says to Padme that he uh didn't have a choice about um about this whole thing, and um Padme tells Far that there's always a choice, which reminds me of her own son in the campaign for Battlefront Two, um when he tells Dell that there's always a choice to be better which is so great, and I love that. And I, I wrote down in my notes, that's the poetry I like right there. That shit rhymes. I, that is interesting because I was going to bring that up as Padme's pleading to Onokonda Far saying there's always a choice, don't do this. That kind of shows the central ideological struggle of the Clone Wars. On the one, on the one hand, you have Padme's idealism, and but idealism, moral values human rights, not living in fear. They don't mean anything when people, when your people are starving and they don't mean anything to Anaconda Far because he clearly doesn't want to do this, but he's doing, he's doing what he has to do to, to try and, um, to try people and, survive. People and, and to have his people survive. So I don't want to say Padme is wrong, but I want to say that it, this is, it's not really a one-sided thing because she, she is on Coruscant where there's always enough to eat. Pretty much, she's pretty much always safe on Coruscant. She she willingly puts herself into danger, but I think that's I think that's different than having it show up whether you like it or not right on your home. It's a line from Revenge of the Sith that reminds me: this war, uh, this war represents a failure to listen. The main thing about the Clone Wars for me is that nobody is willing to hear what the hear out what, what the mm -hmm. other side has to say. One of the only people to ever hear out the other side is Padme herself. That's a good point. That, that is that is also that, Ahsoka uh, by proxy, but yeah. also Padme. And that is exact. That is exactly why. Um, that's why. That's again why Pad. That's why Palpatine is terrified of Padme because she's the person that can build bridges between the two sides. She's the person. That's why he if kills. Anyone, tech, that's why he kills Terry later in the series. You know. Yeah, because the, he wants to kill anyone who can bring the conflict to an end. He wants as much division as possible. He wants people to think that there is no possible solution to the war except completely destroying the other side. And and he succeeds in convincing most people of that, I think. Even yeah. a lot of the Jedi and a lot of the I, I, Republic I senators. I think so. Um, I want to point out, first of all, I love the dynamic of Anthony Daniels and Ahmed Best in this episode. It's perfect. It is pretty funny. I, um, I have to say. My favorite not... thing is what he calls him Threeso. That is the best nickname Threeso. ever. <laughs> That is, a, that is a pretty funny nickname. Such a funny nickname. 
Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, speaking of that. Um, oh, I, there's one other thing. Oh, Anthony Daniels it? saying Yusa gives me life. That is pretty funny. That is pretty funny. <laughs> one thing that I just keep coming back to is how much money is Jar Jar in the hole for after he crushes Padme's royal ship? I, I can imagine kind of similar to uh, the, the, the Emperor's phone call sketch by our beloved uh, robot, robot chicken. chicken. Um, I can just imagine her ranting to Jar Jar, do you have any idea what this is going to do to my insurance? I didn't even pull off that ship. I can't just buy another one. That thing took three years to build. It was completely custom made. I spent 100,000 credits on the shiny silver paint. Oh my gosh, Jar Jar, what are you doing? My favorite thing is when 3PO tells her the ship is destroyed and uh, and she goes, uh, Battle droids? No. Jar Jar? Jar Jar. Jar. <laughs> she knew. She, she knew. knew. She she is put. I freaking like. Padme is done with this shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Padme is done. Um. Yeah. But I think that's Jar Jar's greatest strength. Also, is that he's an, he's just an agent of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, let me just say something. This episode is the best proof we ever have that Jar Jar is force sensitive, and not only force sensitive, but a Sith Lord. Oh my gosh! Please do explain. I mean. Look at all the stuff Jar Jar pulls off in this episode. He has—he is a Sith Lord. I'm sorry, he's just a Sith Lord. Combine it with the stuff he does in two and uh, in, in one and two. Combine it with the fact that he smiles at Qui Gon's funeral. <laughs> okay. That's CGI. It's—it was 1999 CGI. It wasn't as sophisticated as now. They had to do things very intentionally, and they made Jar Jar smile at Qui Gon's funeral. Sorry, I'll stop ranting. Okay. Um, also, uh, 3PO in this episode has a bad feeling about this, which is also also cool. Um, what else do we got? What else do we have for this episode? Oh. Jar Jar says fiddlesticks. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, 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 let's see. Uh, C-3PO outwitted battle droids in this episode um, by forcing them to go in a direction where the battle wasn't, which I feel like was an also, also a nod to New Hope when he does the same thing with Stormtroopers. Oh, I have something before we move yeah. on. First go off, ahead. first off, I think it's interesting that for once C-3PO actually keeps his mouth shut because if Jar Jar, Jar Jar was this close to finding out about Anakin and Padme's marriage, he doesn't know that the cloak belongs to Anakin. He can thank C-3PO for that. But how long, how long would it take for him to connect the dots or for, for someone else to connect the dots if he said, oh, oh I was on Padme's ship and I, I took Anakin's cloak out of the closet and put it on. So I think that that was a, that was a really close shave. It was a close shave. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I honestly can't tell you how nobody found it. It's what we were saying with Jared um, on our episode with him. How has nobody figured this out yet? Are people really that dumb? Like, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure if this is canon, but I, I do recall at one point... Uh, um, at one point, uh, he does say, I... I, I thought that 
maybe uh he says he says that um what did, what did he say he said i i um i pretended not to know and anakin pretended that i didn't know so i think that was legends but still but still your point still stands um yeah uh let's see what was i thinking um there was another thing oh yeah um yeah i also love this episode because of what it says about force sensitive people and non-force sensitive people because jar jar tricked all of those nemoidians and battle droids into thinking that he was a jedi for the entire episode how little do you need to know about the jedi for you to do that effectively you know what i mean there was a there was a something in the Darth Bane trilogy, which is Legends, but still it stands here that people in the Outer Rim thought the Jedi were people who would kill their women and with their laser swords, and you know what I mean. It people the Jedi aren't as well known as I guess we thought they were. You know, there's that thing in um actually I'm not going to mention that because that's a spoiler for Chapter Thirteen of The Mandalorian, but you know what? that's fine. Yeah, one um, more thing. Uh, yeah. Fun bit of right. trivia I found. So apparently in the original script for Bombad Jedi, Quinlan Voss was going to be a part of the episode. And at one point, the script had him mind-controlling Jar Jar to make him actually act like a real Jedi. But due to due to the budget, they um they were unable to create a character model of, of Voss that they wanted. So he was written out of the script. Ima yeah. Imagine, imagine Voss using mind control. I think that would really fit with a, uh, with um, with with a uh, Quinlan Voss's character. But uh, I don't know. My my thing is like, be alarming. if the same circumstance existed and Quinlan Voss was there, why wouldn't he just rescue Padme himself? Maybe there, maybe there's a reason he couldn't. Maybe he. Yeah. Maybe he, like, uh, maybe he wanted. That's to that's my only issue with that is that like you know what's the point of Jar Jar if. Quinlan Voss can just totally rescue Padme himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah. Pretty good episode. I thought. Yeah, it, I liked it too. I, I kind of surprisingly, I kind of thought that maybe this was the best, or for me, it was the episode that I enjoyed the most today. Not me. I definitely liked it. Um, but um, it was re it was really goofy. It was like there are some really goofy things about this episode. It was, yeah, it was pretty hilarious. Um, and. Yeah. Actually, there's another thing I thought about this episode. This episode, I think what Dave Filoni does so brilliantly in this episode is that I think this is the Jar Jar George Lucas wanted but couldn't do because the execution in the some of the execution in the prequels was so bad. Which was... Like, Jar Jar was way more goofy and not just stupid in this episode. So you, you think... Yeah, I think that he was... I think in this, the comic relief was a bit more... I thought it was still, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who still didn't like it and thought it had the same problems, but to me, personally, I thought it had the, uh, it felt, regardless of the, um, yeah, let, let's just say it, uh, it felt a bit more sensible. Um, I don't, I don't yeah. think it was perfect by any means. Um, there, there is still the issue of, uh, perhaps this is kind of a harmful offensive character that that's that's being portrayed through jar jar but overall it felt yeah. a bit more sensible and it felt more reined in and so i felt definitely did, bit, yeah. i felt a bit better about uh there's no poop joke in this that. episode there's no joke where he literally steps in poop that was just yeah 
that that's a that was a that was the low point of the prequel trilogy if i'm being honest of the entire trilogy cloak of darkness this episode kind of centers around ahsoka and luminara uh the, the first um the the first thing we see or or never mind never mind scratch that scratch that they captured new gunray scratch that yeah first off they captured new gunray and they're taking it they want to take him to to trial so we have Ahsoka and Luminara who are taking him to Republic to a Republic uh, cruiser or Star Destroyer, depending on depending on a, who you ask, I suppose. And then there's a rescue attempt staged by Ventress and Captain Argaius, who is the first time we see a Senate commando, and he turns out to be a traitor. And and we yeah. see um we we see some fight we see some good fighting action, and ultimately uh it takes um. Ultimately, Ahsoka rescues Luminara Unduli from uh, from from being defeated at the hands of a the hands of uh, Ventress. Sorry. Yeah. Um, one of the things. So first of all, let's get to the fortune cookie of the episode. Ignore your instincts at your peril, which to me seems like a paraphrasing of Obi Wan's from New Hope. Let go of your conscious self and act on instinct. Hmm. Um, I thought about that. That's a that's a nice parallel. I, I it's think like poetry, I finally, you know, they rhyme. I think I dare I say it. Um, yeah, it's it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> anyway, um, here we go. Going to this episode, I want to say something, which is that it's coming back. You know it. You love it. It's my favorite. Lo it's my famous logistical problems. There's one huge logistical problem. This is like one of the only logistical problems I had with this trilogy of episodes. But it's the biggest one, and it's throughout this entire episode. So you got new gun right caged up in a cell, right? Yeah. And which Jedi Master did they send to make sure new gun right doesn't escape? Uh, Luminara Unduli. What are you thinking? I don't, I don't like, really see the problem with that, to be honest. Uh, what, what, what do you mean? There's something he says um, in the later... Someone says later in the episode, um, gun right is... A slippery guy, but he has powerful allies. And, you know, Ventress goes and rescues um, uh, him. Ventress versus Luminara in a straight-up lightsaber duel, I think Ventress smokes her. Oh, absolutely. But I think that speaks to the hubris of, of the Jedi a little bit. They just think, oh, you're a master. You'll be able to handle this. Like, if she... I don't if, know. If I'd like to think they, they, they treat Ventress with a little more uh, caution than that. I mean, to be fair, they didn't know that Ventress was coming when they assigned Luminara to the mission. They didn't know Ventress was coming, but they knew somebody was going to come. You know That's I mean? true. That's true. But I think that Luminara could have handled any... I think Luminara could have handled anything else. But I do think it's it's kind of an example of the, the hubris of the Jedi. Going back to... It, it, it's just like it does not it feels like it was just there for the plot which I feel like it kind of was if we can um, go back to ignore your instincts at your peril for a moment yeah go ahead I think this is really interesting because it applies to Ahsoka I think a lot and I think that's kind of what makes Ahsoka the main character of this episode more so than Luminara because we see it a couple times first she has the dial or first I guess she she um she gets stopped by Luminara from using terror um, to, to get her information from from Gunray. She whips out her lightsaber, points it at her throat, you know, pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff. She threatens to kill him, um, which I thought was very uncharacteristic, and Luminara is uh, under, understandably shocked. She says, this isn't the Jedi way, and she says, and, and then Ahsoka says, you know, we have to get the information out of him, and, and, and 
that ends up overall it's probably a good decision but it ends up backfiring that luminara kind of calls off ahsoka because because then of course he escapes and he never strikes a uh, he never kind of strikes any kind of a plea deal, deal as, as he uh, as he as he alluded to that he wanted to but we also see um of course ahsoka have a big dilemma of whether or not uh to 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 abandon her post disobey a direct order in order to help Luminar because she thinks she's in danger. She makes that choice. But what's interesting is that, is this the right choice? Probably, but also it ends up resulting in the escape of New Gunray. So who's to say? Yeah, here's the thing. Who's Because if Ahsoka, Ahsoka does what she does and Gunray escapes, um, if she doesn't, then Luminara probably dies. But... Ventress still probably is. so like yeah either way Gunray escapes it's just what she did was probably the right choice because Luminara didn't die neither choice was good yeah I mean yeah uh, that's fair that's fair yeah, yeah. I think that um, um I also like the fact that this episode is probably one of the, the one of the most dark side episodes of for Ahsoka Oh yeah. Like this is like this is this is rock bottom for her. Yeah, um, it's interesting. It's, all, it's really, only up from here. It's interesting that we really we really see that. And I was uh, I was just kind of kind of surprised. One thing that I also think of is interesting is how we see kind of Ahsoka showing aspects of her Jedi family tree. Anyway, we see Anakin, we see Qui Gon, both. I, I think we see both of them, and how we see her kind of disobeying and. Uh, disagreeing with the uh with the with the jedi council or i guess in this case is is she is luminara a member of the jedi council i don't think she is right no i don't think she no. ever is actually in, in any case we see her disagree with a, a senior ranking jedi and we see kind of take her own path which i think is pretty interesting oh yeah um when uh gunray throws ahsoka in the cell uh he says um oh yes yes such delicious irony and I feel like, oh yes, yes, such delicious irony is the new ironic. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love your impressions. You're so you're so committed. I can never I can never pull it off like that. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't. Um, it, she also threatened. Ahsoka also threatens to kill Ventress. I just want to point that out. So that's getting pretty dark. Um, as you dark said, side yeah, kit one definitely a yeah. uh, rock bottom. Also, I'd like to point out the uh, in in terms of such delicious irony, some verbal irony. We see Asajj Ventress uh, crawling around inside some air vents or air ducts, um, which I, I was a little disappointed by. This isn't chronological, so I can't fault this too much. But at this point, after Rebels and after so many seasons of the Clone Wars, this whole air duct thing has got to stop. Like, like, like. I don't know. It doesn't stop anyone in Among Us. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but for the future. For um, for the future shows, I really hope that they stop using the air duct thing. I hope it doesn't show up in the Mandalorian because it just feels maybe this is one of the first instances of it. So again, I I, I can't. Jacobish I, I already really showed up in it. the Mandalorian. Wait, it had. What did I miss? Final episode, first season. Wait, wait. wait. Remember did when I they escaped from the building? They they blast Terra Dune blasts the vent. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> they yeah, do it just, as a man dog too. I don't know why, but Star Wars just seems to be addicted to air ducts. And I really hope that that's something they put down because it, it, it gets kind of old. And this isn't necessarily the time when it's getting old because this happened before a lot of Rebels when we see Ezra pretty much spending all his life crawling around in air ducts. <laughs> but this just made me think of that and how it has to stop. It's like... Get rid of air duct, get rid of air ducts, and get rid of dressing up as stormtroopers. Yeah, enough. Like, okay, this is this is mainly in in rebels, and I guess the Clone Wars too. When you have and resistance, and they resistance. do it in resistance too. How do people change into full body armor so quickly? How does Cad Bane do it? How does Rex do it? How does Kaz do it? Because plot. Because plot. Yeah. Because plot. It just again, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Um, Do you have any oh. trivia for this one? Or are we there yet? Oh, here's another parallel I got. This is fun. Love this. Um, uh, Ventress and, and Luminara do the double force push from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There was so much force jumping in this. There was so much force yeah. jumping. It was, it was, yeah. Also, I love the fact that um, Luminara calls Ventress sloppy. This is my favorite part yeah. about the dark side. She calls her sloppy. And then she becomes more sloppy. Yeah. Like, what the heck gives? I know. I think it's Dunmok. It, it is Dunmok. But, like, it, for those who don't know, Dunmok is the art of verbal um, sparring with your opponent while you're lightsaber dueling. Yeah, it's a, as a fancy legend's name because it has one. Yeah. It's, I think it's cool. You, yeah, it, but I just love that... Uh, you're sloppy. I'll show you how unsloppy I am. I'm so unsloppy that I'm gonna become more sloppy. Oh, here's another. There was there were there are two other things. Sorry. Okay, go um, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Luminara and Ahsoka say we'll take her together. Um, Luminara says to Ahsoka, "We'll take her together." Or Ahsoka says, um, to Luminara, I forget which one. Um, it that's ripped from "We'll take him together" from Anakin and Obi Wan in Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones. And yes. At the end of the episode, Gunray, New Gunray says uh, about um, uh, Argaius, I always had a good feeling about you. And then he gets killed, and then he says the same thing to Ventress. I know, that, I, thought that, I thought that was pretty funny, and that kind of shows... Yeah, it's how, also um, a riff on the bad feeling thing, yeah. so... I just it. think it's hilarious. It shows how uh, duplicitous he can be. Yeah. I thought that was... New Gunray is the most, like, salacious people-pleaser I've ever seen. Oh yeah, absolutely. One piece of trivia before we go. I thought I found this funny. Apparently, the internal name within the within the crew, I guess, for the Drock class droid boarding ships are juicers. That's funny. I love that. I found that pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, so overall, actually, I, I've got to say for this episode, this is my least favorite of the three. It's probably not surprising. This did feel very Empire. I don't know if you got that sense. I got a very Empire sense to this. I didn't uh, really. How so? Can you elaborate on that? I don't know. This is like, it's the middle part of the trilogy. It's the one where, um, it's, it's the one where the winning is not winning. Winning is surviving. Uh, it's, I, I feel like it's extremely Empire. Um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I do like it set up for Lair of Grievous, which is my favorite one of this. Lair of Grievous, I'm going to warn you, is my ambush. I've seen this episode quite a few times, Lair of Grievous, um, and I love this episode. So, um, so. overall, um, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was the greatest episode, but it had some interesting points and it had some interesting, it had some interesting Ahsoka action, which I, I always 
you know, you know me, I love Ahsoka, so I always like to see that. But um, overall, it was I, I thought it was kind of a take or leave episode. Yeah. So um, on to Lair of Grievous. I guess right. I'll do the summary for this one because yeah, it is with a synopsis. Oh, I'm so excited about this episode. This episode, uh, Kit Fisto tracks the uh, tracks a signal that they think is coming from New Gunray to the lair of General Grievous on the moon of Vasek. Um, and but uh, New Gunray is not there, and indeed this is all revealed to be a trap that Dooku is setting for General Grievous along the way. Crazy. Um, the fortune cookie is most powerful is he who controls his own power, which is a little bit sexist. I want to point that out. Um, most yeah. po- most powerful is one who controls their own power. Yeah, they easily could have made that gender neutral, but, you know, yeah. it doesn't really but bother I, me. But, you know, um, but um, I actually had a full revelation about this episode that I'll, we'll get to later. But this fortune cookie is really good. I love Oh, absolutely. Cookie. I have a lot um, to say about it, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, me too. Um, I want to talk about Kit Fisto because I love Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto is one of the best Jedi ever. Period. I don't he's care awesome. what anyone says. He's Kit Fisto. Says, Kit Fisto. He's the guy who runs into battle with a smile on his face every single time. He's so cool. I love Kit Fisto so much. We also get his uh, uh, Padawan, Nadar Veb. Nadar Veb is so interesting. I have a lot to say about he's him. He's a weird character. Um, uh, my another thing um let's see yeah uh oh yeah kid fisto says to not our uh early on in this episode when not our is eager to prove himself um those who have power should restrain themselves from using it which is a basically a paraphrase of the fortune cookie fortune cookie most yeah. powerful is he who controls his own power this is a pretty interesting one you know this is shown a lot with not our and grievous and we see Grievous kind of, he is very powerful, but he doesn't really have control over his own power by this metric. We see him constantly doing everything for Dooku's approval, you know, the way that in his con- in his conversations with the uh, hilarious, sassy medical droid, who I will uh, that is, talk about later. They are great. I think that's some of the best comedic relief we've gotten in the Clone Wars so far yeah. from a non, not from, not from a B1 battle droid. I think it really works. I think it's... I think it's not too over the top. It's it's funny, but it also actually makes a good. It actually makes good points, and he's kind of he kind of serves as an ego check for Grievous, where Grievous yeah. says, "Come on, where are you? Hurry up, get me back online." He says, "If you were a better fighter, maybe we wouldn't be here." And and we see Dooku telling Grievous, "The power you crave will only consume you." And and this is kind of interesting because du- Grievous is powerful, but he's really just powerful because of Dooku and. He's powerful. His his motivation to be powerful is is Dooku. Again, he just wants to be powerful for Dooku. Um, and he's kind of an approval junkie for Dooku. And Dooku's kind of a bad. He's like a bad parent a bit. So I I, I thought that was pretty interesting. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I had a slightly different way of looking at it, but I appreciate that. My thing was it was about sort of about power consuming you. It's like, yeah, you can be all powerful, but. But what's it going to cost to be all-powerful? What are you going to lose by being all-powerful? What parts of yourself are you going to give up? What good parts of yourself are you going to give up? And maybe what parts of yourself are you going to gain that aren't so good by being all-powerful? Nader Veb is a perfect example of this. He wants to be he wants to be powerful, but he ends up sacrificing a lot of morality by being powerful. 
Yeah, absolutely. Nader Reb is a very interesting character. And we see him. What I think is interesting about him is, again, the way that uh, he, he, his relationship to power and the way he wields power, he can't really control it or he doesn't want to control it. You know, we see him with the spinning around the chair and clearing the fog. He's always using the force kind of almost gratuitously. And, and we even he's see this. He's playing a Star Wars video game. Yeah, we, and we even see this with the way, yeah, he, he's the one like, he's playing the Star Wars video game. He's the one who like has the cheat codes and he's like flipping off the walls and doing the crazy combos and stuff. He's doing everything because he can, not because it will have him survive. Yeah, and you know, we, we end up see that be his, un- we, we end up seeing that being his undoing, in yeah. fact, against Grievous. Like he rushes in head on, but when, 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 um, I think it's very telling when, oh gosh, when, when Fisto, when Kit Fisto says, didn't I forget, I didn't forget to teach you restraint, did I? I think that's very telling. Nader Veb had, um, had a rip from Vader, ESB, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Don't make me destroy you. Why is a good guy ripping from a bad guy? Well, it's because the good guy shares many qualities with the bad guy. I'm not saying Nader Veb is a bad person. It's that, um, it's that Fisto says to Veb in, in this episode, revenge is not the Jedi way. Yes, Master, but in this war, strength prevails. Yes, I get Nadar, it's extreme times, but the, that philosophy, again, going back to the Forge cookie, it's a dark side one. What do you lose by putting all your points into the strength category? Yeah. What are you missing? Absolutely. It um... goes to the it goes to the end of this episode. Yoda says to Kit Fisto, in this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. Power for power's sake is nothing if you lose everything else. Absolutely. That's a, yeah, that's a very good point. You know, at first I thought that Grievous in this episode, I thought that, and I read somewhere a long time ago that he had been been uh, mangled in a um in a shuttle crash that that Dooku had orchestrated. I'm not sure if that's canon. And I was just thinking, um, is that the case in canon anymore? Because then we kind of see the and we see the droid. We see we see the um the doctor droid kind of uh, allude to it that Grievous kind of chose to upgrade himself. And maybe he maybe he chose to 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 sacrifice some of his uh yeah it's flesh true. body in order to uh which part is true the shuttle crash is true okay interesting interesting crash. interesting so this kind of so yeah that kind of that kind of complicates things but yeah maybe we maybe we see Grievous is leaning into this cyborg thing a bit though so I think that's an interesting uh it's kind of it's kind of an interesting dilemma I guess. Of, of what Grievous yeah. is doing. I, I, I love the Kalish culture we see. All those creepy statues are like a really weird vibe that we don't often get in Star Wars. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love the whole, I love the whole aesthetic and the whole look of, of Grievous's layer. I, love I loved all the- layer of Grievous. Yeah, I love the light, I love the repeating it. light bulbs. I thought those were awesome. Yeah, I, I had a lot yeah. to like about this episode. Um, Let's talk about Dooku in this episode. Dooku is at pettiness, like, Peak pettiness, Dooku. Yeah. Like, well, the Viceroy is unavailable for capture. Dooku is also very meta in this episode because Dooku tells Grievous, hey man, you gotta kill more Jedi. Yeah. And 
It would be great if Grievous killed more uh, Jedi. I wish the writers would have Grievous kill more Jedi. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the only Jedi Grievous ever kills is not our vet in this episode. In the Clone Wars. The only one. Ever. Really? Why? Yeah. That's, pretty That's crazy. how bad Grievous is. I really think, yeah, I really wish they had made him a little more menacing. The heroes always take a ship to their destination. This is a Star Wars trope that I also want to end, other, also with the ducks and the um, dressing up as Stormtrooper things. Can we stop having the ship being destroyed? It's getting kind of old. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's maybe a bit necessary here. I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, but, but like still. Yeah, still. Really cool. I also love the Grievous Fisto fight at the end. That Grievous Fisto fight is peak Star Wars right there. Um, yeah. It's, it's basically a re- repetition of the theme for this episode. Um, I wield great power, Jedi fool. That power will only consume you. You know, that's, it's the whole, it's, it's, um, oh, also, one more thing about this episode, which is that not our Veb has a bad feeling about this. Which marks, I think, one, I think our first episode trio, where all three have feelings about this. Yeah, this episode, I was a little disappointed by on the rewatch because I thought it had some really, I thought it had some really interesting ideas and it was very thought provoking, maybe the most thought provoking of all three. But overall, it just it just felt that the um, I just felt that the execution in parts fell short of uh, of the philosophical ideas that they were putting forth and it didn't really do justice to what they were trying to get across. But I still I still saw the value in it and I still I still enjoy it. I still think it's a fun it's a fun thing to watch. Maybe maybe more it's fun my, to think about than to watch. I'll say that. It's my favorite of the three because I've I think it, it's an ambush quality for me because I've watched this episode like 10, 11, 12 times. So I'm very I'm very familiar with this episode. This episode feels very familiar to me and I think that's why I like it a lot. Um I love this episode. It's I I think it has some really great philosophical themes and I think the fights Fisto and Vev versus Gore and Fisto versus Grievous at the end are really great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Let's get on, I think, to everyone's favorite part of this show. Um, you love it. I love it. Everyone loves it. Okay, we're here we go. Let's do this. <clears throat> One quarter portion. Okay, let's do this. So today, um, what do we have today? It's a long story. All right. Um, okay. You want to go first? One way to go first. Uh, I'll go first. All right. Yeah. So, how about you tell me which Star Wars TV show arc or movie arc whatever this is? A dude doesn't want to send his adopted kid to magic camp after realizing that the kid loves him back. Oh, come on. This is the Jedi. Yes, I thought it was going to be harder. I didn't think your mind would go straight to it. But yeah, it is the Jedi. That is correct. Congratulations. Yeah. All right, what do you okay, got Okay, here me? we go. I'm not sure if this is going to be too hard for you because I'm not sure how well you know this. Um, a young girl's tribe is completely wiped out by robotic invaders. Years later, she, uh, fo- she follows a magic space wizard on his journey. Um to try and get a magical box to get a magic box i'm not sure if you know this and i don't i don't i don't think i do could you give me a hint what type of media is it is it a book uh it's not a book 
Is it a, is it a TV show? I'm going to say this. It's not a movie and it's not a TV show. Oof, I think I'm going to have to... I have no idea. I'm sorry. What the is it? The young girl is a girl named Marin. And Marin. this is from Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. I haven't played Jedi Fallen Order, so I wouldn't know. But um, Okay. Never that's mind. okay. It's okay. okay, though. That was a good one. Mer- Mer- uh, the magic space wizard is Cal Kestis. So, um, so is Marin... So clarify, I think I, I, I maybe have some idea. The tribe that was wiped out is the Night Sisters. Oh, Marin is she the Night Sister. Of, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And the magical box is a holocron. Maybe we should announce this now because of when this is going to be posted. This is going to be posted mid-December, I'm pretty sure. This is going to be posted, um, like, yeah. So, later this month, Star Wars in a Galaxy will be having our first ever live stream. We're going to be streaming on YouTube. We're going to be playing some games with some fun guests. Um, the guests and the... What we're going to be doing and when it's going to be are all going to be announced soon. But I think you're going to see some new faces. You're going to see some familiar faces. I'm pretty hyped for it. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm so hyped. It's yeah. going to be fun. Um, it's going to be so much fun. We'll probably do them like semi-regularly, not every week or anything. Probably not even every month, but like we'll we'll do them when we feel like doing them. Uh, other than that, I think that wraps it up for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Make sure to check us out on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Breaker, Apple Podcasts. Full list is um, anchor.fm slash in a galaxy. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us there. Follow us on Twitter at in a galaxy pod. Email us swinagalaxy at gmail.com. Leave a rating and review for us. Um, it really does help if your platform is available to follow um then please follow us to write us questions we'd love to see yeah. them not just questions comments yeah, hot comments, takes anything anything Any, we'll, anything we'd love to hear even trivia we'll do trivia too no yeah um yeah uh other than that um i think we'll just i think we'll just have to say may the force be with you always <laughs>